engineered, driven, created. You are listening to the Be Velocity podcast and this is episode four. I'm Deborah and I'm Sophie, your hosts for tonight and we will be speaking to our guest Laura Loved Racing. So we'll be talking to her about how she got into motorsport, hobbies, her sponsors and the different championships she's competed in. Also we are very aware that she's keen to talk about ladies supporting ladies. We love talking about girl power on our podcast. So hello and welcome, Laura. Hello, Sophie, and hello, Deborah. Thanks for inviting me. No Good problem. To talk. <laughs> it's amazing that we've finally got you on our podcast. Um, how have you been? I'm great. Uh, sitting still in home office and trying to uh, have my free time rammed up with sim racing if we can't go on to the real track. <laughs> so that's my daily life. Work, 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 and then sim racing. <laughs> Well, we've got a lot of questions to ask you about, obviously, how your racing has been affected um, with the pandemic. Um, but first of all, can you just give us a quick introduction to yourself, a bit about you, um, so that our listeners can know who you are? Yeah, so I'm uh, 36 already. I am just started with racing at the age of 24, super late. I'm like the granny on all of these kind of racetracks. But it was my, <laughs> yeah, my ultimate passion to just become a race car driver. When I was 10, I started watching Formula One, NASCAR, ERL, DTM, whatever was on TV. And I was always like telling my parents, I want to be a race driver. And they said, yeah, yeah later <laughs> so first I got my <laughs> studies right <laughs> uh, I finished my studies and uh, I work as a full-time event manager so this is my day job and I couldn't give up on this and when I earned my first money I said okay everything in the pot and I just uh, started with go-karting first and from there I gradually stepped up to to racing on a new booking notch level right now um yeah, I made my way up uh, in this 12-year period myself. Uh, never had a sponsor. Try to pe- keep it up because I really love racing. And yeah, I'm lucky that I'm at this point where I'm right now. That's amazing. Really yeah. amazing. Um, I was going to say, during the pandemic, we've noticed you've been very active on social media. Have you found it tricky to find content to produce? Um, you know, because obviously the pandemic's had a huge knock-on effect um and obviously some events have been cancelled yeah so actually that's the most important thing that you just kept going with content 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 and i mean some people tell their everyday story but my story is just i'm sitting here eight hours nine hours in front of my desk and then i'm sitting at another desk so what's interesting about it right so i found it quite tricky and um, i try to 
get people onto my daily life but uh, if it's not related to racing nobody's actually interested in that's what i found out right so i just try mm. to make some pictures on the track and also take pictures up front and and try to give them a storyline or if it's like a motivational kind of uh, picture and i try to get a quote for this myself but it's hard to find continuous content and i'm really struggling because i wanted to do youtube since ever and i have already videos produced but i have no time to edit them or yeah. get a good intro and stuff so my youtube channel is up and running but it's not actually producing the content i want to get out right so mm. it's literally instagram and all that stuff um i'm as well on facebook but actually there you don't have that great interaction with the audience anyways i felt no and no i agree it's it's hard to to i mean I've, I've run them myself right i'm on tiktok which i never use <laughs> i'm on so many social media platforms myself i have to do my website this is a full-time job right and then it's hard to get content out if you're not on the racetrack actually hmm. no yeah, i'm the same i mean i obviously deborah is the main face behind b velocity and she does an absolutely amazing job and i don't know how she does it because she puts contact out all the time and she's constantly networking and supporting you know drivers up and coming drivers and women motorsport and i am sort of the opposite because my background is journalism so um i'm trying to to be proactive on social media but like you say when i'm not out there i have to proactive i have to really think don't you, you have to think wow okay what am i posting it's much more of a conscious effort. Um, you know, instead you just post a photo that you took that day and you'd say, oh, today was great, at blah, 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 blah. Tag in a few people, you had, you know, a few selfies. And now you're thinking, oh, how can I like post a photo from two years ago that I haven't used yet? Uh, and how can I make it relevant? And it is, like you say, it's a full-time job and it's just, it's hard, it's really hard. Yeah, throwback Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Start to sound like Craig David. <laughs> it's really like that. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty amazed how you produce the content and how active you are in general. And thanks for just inviting me to this podcast because I mean I've just followed you and I said, okay, guy, yeah, anyway, there are people who just really go with it. So that's pretty yeah. amazing. Put yeah. effort in. Well. no um to be fair I'm very conscious and the thing I like about our platform is it's more than one person that's like tagging so I'm constantly having to repost stuff because it's kind of like you tag us you get featured and then and I suppose in a nice way I've got I've constantly got content to post and but there is going to come a point where things will start slowing down and I'm like, right, what what do I do now? What what happens next? And I suppose with this podcast, once it's, you know, fully going and floating, obviously that's more content for us to post on the page. And I suppose for the same for you, it's like you could do content about merchandise just like a hat or something but how many times can you post it before people are like nah I've, I've already seen that I'm not not bothered mm. kind of thing um exactly. but it doesn't it's not obviously with the page I've not focused mainly on most sport I do get other content for automotive stuff but the game it's the same situation um at some point 
people are going to run out of ideas. Um, but yeah, exactly. In the pandemic, I mean, it's it's yeah. tricky because we are not doing anything, right? So we're sitting at home, and what's the deal about it? So you can't even tell what's going to happen because you don't know. No, we don't know. Um, no one knows what's going to happen. And I suppose this leads on to my next question. Have you had to put some plans for this year's season on hold or are you still planning? Um, what And have you managed to retain any of your sponsors or gain any new ones? Yeah, so actually it's all my money which goes into my racing. So I never had a sponsor. So um, yeah. actually... I had a yeah I mean my day job just gives me some money but I have to do like other jobs besides um I do also have the podcast I'm running I do commentators uh, jobs on sim racing I've been on the racetrack helping with social media so I do all that stuff related to it and just get some money for that but this is of course not everything you get yeah. and um I just got my brochure together last year because I thought, oh yeah, great. Then I can get some sponsors for the 24 hours race because that's the next thing I would really want to participate in. But hmm. then we had no spectators at the track, so it's not the same. And actually the race was postponed and or even canceled in, in the middle of the race because we had so many heavy rain that they had to yeah. stop it. And it wasn't a 24 hours race. So I just said, okay, I just wait until I have this full experience for the 24 hours back where people are joining and we have the fans at the track. But nevertheless, I, as I cannot finance myself a full season, to be honest, and Nürburgring is really expensive for me, mm. I at least get some races together with my own budget. So right now, always, I can only tell in February because then I get a bonus and stuff and I can uh, play around with it and see what, yeah. what, what budget is left. And um, yeah, I'm just going in from there and tell my teammates and my, my team manager, um, hey, I want to race at this and this, this race. Can you put me in a car? And he's, then we arrange that. Yeah. Mm. Mm. That is really inspirational, to be honest, because I know that a lot of people listening will, you know, maybe people who are trying to get into motorsport and maybe they're aware of, you know, the actual realities of racing or maybe they just see the glamour and think, yeah, I'm going to get there, going to get sponsors, going to get, you know, monster on my chest and whatever. Um, so it's really refreshing to hear that, you know, the realism of it, that you're you're putting all your spare money into making your your dream happen um and that sort of I wanted to talk to you about your entry into motorsport so I know you said that you started in karting um just how did you just think right okay then I'm just gonna do this and where did it start I mean I wouldn't know where to start because I've thought about being a racing driver but I probably don't even have the skill so where did you start yeah, I mean, I was so crazy about cars everywhere. I just went, everybody could not even listen to me just repeatedly telling, oh, I love cars, I love racing, and I want to do this. <laughs> and one day a friend of mine said, just stop it, go, and we go karting. And then we went karting after I was on a drift course. And he saw me and said, I mean, I loved, when I had my driver's license, I go nuts. And I was just driving constantly with my car, even if I had no destination to go to, I just wanted to drive. So, and I did many trainings with the, with the cars and then we started go-karting and I just, yeah, won the race against him. He was not happy with that, but <laughs> he said, well, I take you out for a racing and then I'm just supposed to tell you how to do it and you just uh, outgrow me, okay, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it was funny on my side, but not on his side. <laughs> and then I kept playing, right? So I was just like, okay, let's do this. And I had uh, some, uh, yeah, let's say professional races around me. And I was the only woman at that time. And then they said, yeah, 
actually, um, are you racing today or is somebody else's racing for you? I was like, no, I signed up for this. And they were all laughing at me. And then I said, okay, guys, I show you how to drive. And then I was not last in the race. I said, I have to keep going. And it was so fun because when you, when you go karting, it's, it's more rough. But if you just are in a car, it's a complete different um, situation and, and, and experience. And I ever wanted to say, I love endurance races. This is where I also then trained and, and work with several teams also internationally together. I won a 24 hours race in karting in, in Italy. I was in Dubai and I had a world record race of 77 hours and 99 hours with a go-kart. And I was like, this is so amazing. If you see this, these crazy people and we all have kind of a, yeah, I don't know. We have this kind of problem issue, I would say, because we're so addicted. <laughs> yeah, and I, I couldn't stop. I said, okay, I just continue, continue, get better, train myself. And I, I never had an own car. I never had my own car. I only rented cars. And um, I also had just rental karting where I started with. And then I went into a race karting, but never had a shifter card. So it was just endurance race related uh, type of racing. And yeah, when I had my first race on the Nordschleife, I had four rounds of experience on this track. I mean, this is nothing. <laughs> and my first race was in the rain with a BMW Z4. It's uh, 275 horsepower. I had no idea uh, literally where to go, but I just made my way through. And I didn't crash. Uh, it, it worked well. So, and I said, okay, I love this track so much. I want to learn it more. And I just tried to practice more on sim racing to get the, the idea of where I'm losing time. And from there, I stepped into faster cars and then, yeah, made my way up. But if, you, if you're motorsport addicted, you cannot stop. <laughs> yeah, wow. So, I mean, you talk about going abroad and international. Was that all self-funded as well? So, I mean, I'm interested, I guess, I don't know, might, might seem very simple-minded because I've been go-karting, obviously, with the boys or with my friends or whatever. But I have never, and I know I love it but I would never know how to take that first step. And then if I thought, oh, okay, I'm, I'm pretty quick at this. What do you do? Do you just go online and just find an event and go, yeah, okay, I'm going to sign up to this. I'm going to give it a go. Is that, is that what you did? Yeah, literally. So when you have your uh, go-kart license in Germany, it's just, you pay for it, right? And you just have your small national license you can raise on, on, on specific endurance championships. And actually what is always good and this works for Germany I don't know how this works in other countries but we have these kind of motorsport clubs where you can go to and sign up for for yeah to to be in this motorsport club to talk to people who have been racing in slalom races or in rally in motocross wherever they are and then you find your peers I didn't find them there because I started really late to go into this motorsport club so I just went to the races myself these were ones which are organized by a karting uh, track and then they say, oh, every Thursday we have a ticket drive for 20 minutes, just join. And I just joined these kind of ticket races and got my own network around because it's always the same people come there and then they say, oh, you're pretty fast. Maybe you should join this other track. So then you have, of course, a network within your network, right? And then they just invite you to come to another championship, but you have to prove yourself. It's not like that you come to a championship and they say, yeah, just drive. But then you have to be like on a test drive and they see if you're really fitting into team A or B. And then you have your own money again. And my money went into this. So I had to buy also my entire equipment. And of course you have to pay the annual subscription fee. And our team manager, he was just quite good for this, for this race car uh, series where he just bought the car, uh, the go-kart. And then we just uh, paid him our fees of when we were driving because we couldn't drive all the races. So, but then at least he was financing the go-kart in most parts. 
and we also needed to have a mechanic and we had to pay the mechanic we couldn't do it ourselves so this is also cost you added on too so i think we had a pretty <laughs> intense and costly start into the series but then it went on and we can use our same go-kart and we don't have to take care of it right so it was with the mechanics and it's the same with the car races so if you have your car license normally you start with a with a license course um, this is i guess in every country the same so then you just uh, get your license and then you can apply for it as your authorities and if, with that you can just join small sim racing or small racing series whatever you are um, interested in and you have to stick to the series if you like to to go in that route um, but you don't have to have the entire series you should take part in you can just say i race one race and then it's done so you don't have to sign up for the entire racing series um, and from there you I think that the most important thing is when you start and when you want to start, you have to make sure that you have your own budget at least to begin with, right? To just buy your equipment, being a helmet, being a hunt system, this head and neck support system, and then having your suit, your overall, everything ready. Um, this costs about, let's say, 2,500 euros, and you have everything, if it's fireproof, right? For karting, it's a bit less, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have to make sure that you have the insurance as well, because I'm not racing without having my own insurance if anything happens. Of course, you get it with your, with your license, but you can add on something like this. And then you need to know, am I really a sprint race driver? Because this is more costly in that sense, as you are alone. Or do you go more into the endurance part, where you have maybe more serious and but less driving in general, but you just share the car with your teammates. Um, so that's actually the route where you think you want to go to. And also if you if you have open wheeler, I mean, this is super nice, it's crazy, but in terms of pricing, you're never going to get it if you don't have a sponsor. There's no way you can enter into Formula Sport, to be honest. You need funding for this. Mm. Well, I, my mind is blown, to be honest, because um, I've... I've never heard somebody talk so in depth about how, you know, the actual steps to do it. Um, I don't know about you, Deb, but when you hear interviews, it's, it's very much like, how did you get into the sport? It's very vague. Yes. So that was like, yeah. that was real nice to hear that. And to be honest, I'm going to jump on the sim after this chat now. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Happy to just get on. <laughs> um, yeah. So then you talk about the step up to race cars. Did you find it tricky adjusting um, and why did you just step up because you thought, yeah, I'm, I can do this. I can get to the next level. Um, yeah. What was it about the step up? Yeah. So actually my, my goal was always to be in a race car and I just needed to make this point because when you just come from karting and go to race cars, I just said, okay, I have to, at least get my social media channels right and everything so that I build up a network and potentially have everything ready if there is a sponsor who just thinks, all right, she made the story and she can race with my car. Then you have to have everything around it as well together um, because some drivers just don't care about social media, but I think it's important if you really are out there that you can be found, right? So I had to do this as well on top of, of jumping into the car. But for me, I just chose a small series where I was able to finance it the entire season because I wanted to have a full season. Not even, it was not a great car. It was a Dacia Logan and 90 horsepower. It was front wheel drive, which I'm not so fan of, but I made my way through. So yeah, and then I had nine races and it was constant. You be at the racetrack, you see how it goes. If it's the same routine, you just be around other cars. You have to make your way through the traffic. And this is what I wanted to see how this works. It's completely different when you come to Nordschleife. So you have 
much much more cars right i mean it's a complete different track it's much more to learn and you have faster cars approaching you it's completely different into a circuit in that sense right um but yeah it was always the the last step to really go into this car racing and it's physically for myself not as demanding as driving a go-kart race to be honest um, because you have to be physically a bit more stronger and you sit two hours in a go-kart rather sitting one hour in a race car so funny enough when i'm sitting in a race car i can continue for hours because even they just had to pull me into the box they come you just have to do the driver change now and i was like oh, I can go on, right why are you just calling me in so I, I think it's for me what I drive. I drive the M240 uh, Racing Cup, and this is a cup car, and I drive uh, maybe the M2 this year. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just BMW lover, I know. But yeah, this is this car, I think it's easy to drive even if you're driving it for one hour, one hour 30. It doesn't matter for me. It's I have not to be physically more stronger than anybody else. But if you really race formula sport, definitely you have to have another fitness level. And if you do GT racing with uh, GT3s or LMP2, LMP1, LMP3, all these kind of stuff where you have more uh, yeah, downforce and you have more G-force and you have more aerodynamics, just working around the car, you have other powers and forces on yourself. So yeah, then you need a bit more strength, I would say. But from what I do, it's totally enough what I do right now. Yeah, that's really interesting as well. I mean, I'm going back to what you said about karting. I every time like I go with my friends, I'm not, you know, I'm not even at a good level. But you get the next day, you're like, gosh, my back is bruised, and you're just like, where did these bruises come from? Um, and you just feel so exhausted because you don't realize how hot you are being so close to the engine, and it's mad. But one of the things that always puts me off about going into racing as a, like a profession competitively is what you're saying there it's about that fitness level and I just know that I don't I don't have it so who knows yeah but actually you don't need it if you just go into the first race cars and I have seen some people driving in a Porsche sports car cup and I mean this guy was probably 190 kilo and he definitely didn't make it out in three seconds out of the car so some <laughs> drivers are even not at that level so it doesn't matter if you are not in the professional race car scene where you have to be like a, a paid driver right if you just are in this amateur league where i am right i just pay myself i'm not i will not make it to a certain level because due to age and financial budget right so i know where my limits are and you have to be realistic when you just step into the race car you know i spent the money i have the money to spend it on that stuff because i never get it back right you just don't earn money with this so you have to be clear that you lose all the money you spend <laughs> uh, but yeah it's just for yourself it's for for the hobby and passion you just live and then you love. know where your limits are right yeah exactly love. just do it if you want to do it because i never wanted to tell to myself later on I maybe you should have tried it, but then you didn't try, right? So this is the worst you yeah. can tell yourself. Just go with it and you say, if I can do it, just do it. <laughs> well, I might have to get some tips from you on the on the sim then one day. Happy to give it to you, no problem. <laughs> I was going to say, this leads um, into my, my question now. So obviously everyone's gone on to online racing, sim racing, um, obviously to keep us all entertained. I've, I've watched a few sim races. Now, you've become the first female German sim racing commentator. That's bloody amazing. <laughs> Did you, could you tell us how it happened? Um, is it something, you know, commentating? Is that something you've done before? 
No, the funny thing is, I just literally stepped into this because uh, the boss of a sim racing center just said to me, oh yeah, we have this race. Um, just, you just do the commentating. I was like, okay, yeah, I, I like to talk. I, I probably can do that. So no, no problem. But I never had a training on that. So literally I, I needed to learn what kind of simulation are they talking about? It, Assetto Corsa, iRacing, Assetto Corsa Competizione, Race Room. There are so many out there, R-Factor 2. And I was like, what is this about, right? So I just first started sitting in a simulator myself to see what is this about? What, what is the feeling? What do I do? And, and what are the technical requirements? And then you never just talk about this is discord and this is team speak i was like okay what <laughs> so you have all these kind of yeah tools where you just talk to people and you have the race control and all that stuff so you have to get into the technical things also of this simulation directly what it's what's going to happen where the penalties do you have a race control live or not or how does this penalty system work so yeah, and from there, I just uh, got into this uh, commentating and I really like it because I had now different kind of sims I was commentating and of course racing then on. And I really absolutely love it. And I had the chance also to be in the pit lane uh, at the 24 hours race for Nürburgring TV and then being as a reporter there for, for a team uh, and talk about uh, different things where just cut the videos together. And I was like, okay, I can talk to these guys in the wow. pit lane interviews so this is really what I like uh, doing besides racing so I'm happy that I can do this yeah oh that, yeah that's the dream that's the dream for me yeah you have to just get your network uh, directly in in this connected because that's the most important thing which I learned I never had a network I had not the connection to motorsport at all in the beginning not my parents nobody in my in my yeah friend zone and then actually I just try to make the network around it and then you have more people and then they know your name and they call you. So this is really important to start into this. Now, I'm just gonna go on to my um, next question. So what's, what's the next big ambition or goal or are you aiming to break down even more barriers than you have already? Yeah, I hope I can tackle some more. <laughs> so my ultimate next goal is actually to take part in this 24 hours race on the Nürburgring. And I really like to do because I have done it in karting to compete in several other 24 hours races. I hope <laughs> maybe then also there is a bit of funding which I can get together for these special type of events. Mm. Um, it would be actually nice to also have a full season on uh, in NLS, so the Nürburgring Launchleife, um, a series there, but I'm not sure if that's going to happen. So I'm focusing on the 24 hours races at the moment. And um, yeah, I'm trying to bring more people into this sport and, and help everybody because I got so many requests from drivers who, as you also said, um, Sophie, then how can I start? How, what do I do? And, and I just told them what they can do. And now I have three people saying, I'm going to race. Exciting. So this is really oh. cool to see that they really did this, right? So that's what I actually also even more like to, to bring people into the sport, giving them the security. They say, okay, I have this passion. What should I do? And I said, just give them a nudge to do it. And then they're yeah. so happy that they at least did it. Even if it's for one race, doesn't matter. When you made it, you say, I also thought I just want to one race in a race car, just one race. But of course, I knew that <laughs> one race for me is not enough. So I try to make everything I can to just continue. And um, that's the plan to just go on with the flow. Yeah. Cool. Is, um, is the Nürburgring as scary as it as it looks? I know a lot of people from the UK head over there and put a stupid sticker on their car to say, I went to the Nürburgring. I mean, and we just sit here and watch crash compilation videos. So how do you find the actual track? 
it's tricky and it's always changing. So it's never the same, even if it's on dry uh, condition, if it's on wet, it's completely a different story. And as the tarmac is changing as well, because they have to renew it all the time, then it's some slippery, it's more grippy there. So you really have to just be on the track the first time and just drive a bit round and, and see what's, what's changed. And uh, some people, and funny, in, in, in the last years, they said, okay, this tree you have to vis visualize because then you have your turning point. I said, great, but if the tree is not there anymore, <laughs> this is not my turning point, right? So it has evolved so much that everything you saw is literally gone. All your marks you had, also even the, the spray marks on the street, they're gone. So you have to find your breaking point newly or you have to set it from the beginning, right? So for me, it's every time great to drive there, but uh, when you have a big pause and I had now always one year pause to drive you start from scratch more or less uh, unless you have your sim racing uh, driving then you just be on spot a bit more this is what i try to do because i don't want to lose time when i'm there because literally every race for me is training i have no training at all so besides that so i literally when i sit in the race car i just have uh, one or two points in mind which i want to change and, and learn on so uh, I have some segments where I think, okay, now this time you try this line, next time you'll be there with this kind of, uh, yeah, miles per hour or kilometers per hour, you want to hit this corner with this one. And then you always have two to three points you try in every race, but this is actually not how it's supposed to be, but this is my training point And I try to figure that out on the sim. Wow. I've tried it on the sim a few times and not done very well. <laughs> It fascinates me that anyone can just turn up and literally drive around it. And I just think that's absolutely crazy. Even a man in a van, he can just turn up, go around in his van. And there are some, some parts of that track that are so narrow and you can't really overtake. And I'll be honest, some of the footage I've gone... Oh... <laughs> so on your you're so on on the edge and it and it's it's it just baffles me that like anyone can go on there it's the easiest part even not on the tourist drives because that's scaring for many people and i just did it only once with my car and never do tourist drives i just only as you also said sophie just bring my car once around the track and say great car you have seen it by right <laughs> but nothing more otherwise you will kill yourself and even your car because there are people there's some people think they are good drivers some people think they their, their car is a race car and this is not going to match and then you have the motorbikes as well so i do only track days if i i did two track days that's the thing and this is more fun because you have more space and you can race with a proper race car if you rent it yourself and then this is much more fun uh, to drive uh, during a track day to be honest yeah. So to anyone who's listening um, in the UK, listen to somebody who actually races in the Nordbury Ring and please stop putting the stickers on your cars. Thank you. <laughs> they can all come and I can tell them where the tricky corners are, no problem, but better to do it on a track day. It's much more safer also for the car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, so... We're kind of getting near to the end and obviously since we've been communicating with each other and I know this is something you strongly want to talk about so we're just going to talk about it. What are your general thoughts on ladies supporting ladies in motorsport? I, this is a brilliant question I think it's so crucial because we see that 
some people really try to to push this forward but mm. in some parts i think this is still the and this is what i found so interesting we had a, a, a talk about this uh, how women are sometimes not supporting women because yeah. they are these kind of cat fights all the time <laughs> being jealous envious about this and that and i was like ladies stop it right so we have men's clubs they work pretty well they just even have who has the biggest car and who has the biggest house they just even have their clubs they're still together and they just yeah. bring yourself forward no matter where they come from right but ladies are like oh, she's skinnier and she's prettier and she has this and that and blah and so it doesn't matter <laughs> get into the sport and yeah. support each other no matter where you come from and it actually doesn't matter if you're female male or whatever Yeah. The sport brings it together. And I think this is crucial that we stop these kind of barriers, boundaries, uh, disadvantages some people might have. Mm. We're just chatting about this. Sport actually should reunite and not bring people apart, right? Yeah. And this should be inclusive. And this yeah. is what I try to always tell people. Make motorsport because we don't know. And this is also coming to this uh, social uh, aspect in general and mm. how society is behaving, right? So we don't know how long motorsport will be there, right? Yes, we exactly. have environmental stuff. Everybody's complaining and moaning about, right? So oh, you can't drive with a with a normal car. You have to go electric. So stop. Don't get me started on electric drives, right? <laughs> yeah, this is a not topic I want to talk about. But this is actually what we have to get into people's mind. The motorsport is changing and it's just rapidly changing. And if yeah. we have the society was changing rapidly, one time it's gone. So we have to stick together and try to make it inclusive as possible and yeah. make the passion for everybody reachable right include the fans include everyone and not exclude people yeah 100 on that and that's kind of one of the reasons why we changed the whole name and we changed our concept and i'm sure you can see how we've made it more inclusive it's more diverse and i'm very very keen I'm talking about the Orange Army. Without those volunteers, forget it. We wouldn't have motorsport because those volunteers do so much and they don't even get paid. Exactly, and not well paid. They stand in the weather, whatever. And, and the circumstances are really, really tricky. And what I've found so heartbreaking is when I'm always in the pits, I have my 10 to five marshals around, which I always greet and we're like friends, right? Yeah. Because we see every time and I'm happy if I'm there. And even if they are in a completely different box, they just run over to me and I run over to them and say, hi, how are you? Yeah. Because these ladies, men, whatever, they save our lives. If they're yeah. not there, we can't race. This yeah. is a unique situation where everybody has to be together and not saying I'm the driver, I'm the mechanic, I'm the crew chief, I'm the car chief, car manager and whatever, and the, just the, the, the track owner. We are all together and we yeah. do motorsport. Yes, that is what well, to see. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to do a Jeremy Clarkson and on that bombshell, good night. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, that is, that is a fantastic way to end episode four, I think. But just before we go... Um, people who have followed our podcast this far will know that the last thing we ask our guests is for a song choice to put into our driving playlist, which you're going to put on Spotify. So if you could listen to any song on a road trip or whether it's your getting in the zone song or whatever it is, which song would you pick and why? 
Uh, that's a tricky question because I have so many songs I like, but <laughs> for me, the ultimate song is actually Happy because it's a road trip kind of song and it makes you wiggle in no matter what car you sit and it's still having the sun shine and you're just, the wind getting your hair and this is like this super vibe you have and it's positivity. And this is what I, what I always like to put on my radio if I'm just having a good mood and I want to drive long and this makes me happy no matter if I'm stuck in a, in a traffic jam or if I have rude drivers in front of me or people who can't drive. So I don't get angry because I'm happy in my car and I have this song on. So this is actually what I would play. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Great choice. This, this is coming into a good little playlist, this is. Um, and on that note, um, we're going we're gonna to say goodbye. No. <laughs> I <laughs> know. So you. <laughs> um, and that is episode four done. We hope you enjoyed listening to our chat with Laura as much as we enjoyed rambling. Thank you so much, Laura, for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've actually loved it and I'm so glad you've been here with us and we could talk for hours. <laughs> we generally could. <laughs> yeah, Thanks so much for the invite. <laughs> Happy to no, join you. You're welcome. Feel free to send us a message with any questions you might have for Laura after listening to this podcast. Um, if you'd like to show some love for our podcast by leaving us a review, liking or subscribing, we'd really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Be Velocity podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode. And if you would like to get involved in building our global community, then please drop us a DM. DM. <laughs> Till next week, Deborah. Bye. See you later. Engineered. Driven. Five females. Velocity. 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 Velocity.